Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and we're beginning a new series today called Anatomy of Revival. We're going to take it up from Acts chapter 19 and Acts chapter 20, breaking down how revival starts, what's the, the process of revival, and what the end of revival is. Revival begins when Christians turn to or return to the Holy Spirit. Let's get to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. I'm excited about what we're going to be taking up and probably this will last quite a while, quite a few lessons this week into next week. I'm going to talk about the anatomy of revival. How do we break it down? Because we're going to take a look at the book of Acts. We're going to take a look at the end of chapter 18, all of chapter 19, most of chapter 20, because these actually explain how revival comes, how revival stays, what the end result of revival Bible really is. And so this is what we're going to be taking up. We're offering my book on the book of Acts. Of course, uh, uh, what I'll be teaching here will be in line with what I'm teaching there, but we'll be have a chance here with much more opportunity to dig in a little bit deeper. And I want to start out in John chapter 14. So if you'll turn with me, we're going to take a look at verses 16 and 17 and talk about revival in the New Testament and what we should look for today with revival, uh, again, within the church and within the day we live in. There's so much teaching today about revival and uh, so many different viewpoints on it. And it really comes back to it. We can look at history and uh, that'll tell us some things. But a lot of times in history, our own country, revival was built around the time period we were in, what was going on in society. And of course, this is part of it. But really there comes down to basics of revival that the word of God brings out that we need to look for because there's times we might call it a revival. It's just a good Holy Spirit meeting. Uh, we see some signs, wonders, and miracles, but uh, these are just what we would call, we call them revivals, but basically it lasts a week or two. And we often talk about, we're gonna have a revival meeting this week. Well, you just can't make revival happen. And there's things that you do and God working with you together, you form what God has to say about revival. So uh, again, uh, the book is being offered. And for those of you that are just tuning in today for the first time, welcome to a great series. I'm sure you're gonna be blessed by it. We'll be talking about the supernatural, the outpouring of God's spirit and what that introduced into the earth on the day of Pentecost. So we're gonna start out this particular series talking about the uniqueness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit during the time period we live in called the church age. There's many things that happened in the Old Testament through the Holy Spirit that still happen today. There's ministries of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament that still happen today. And some are brand new, but also there's others which are expanded ministries of what the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament. And really the fullness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the expanded ministry of the Holy Spirit really identifies the New Testament time period we live in. And Jesus predicted this was coming, prophesied to his disciples it was coming. And uh, take a look with me at John chapter 14, again, verses 16 and 17. And it says here, Jesus speaking to his disciples said, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. If you can mark in your Bibles, underline those two words with you. 
he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. There is a ministry of the Holy Spirit the world cannot receive, but yet there's a ministry of the Holy Spirit the world can receive, and we'll talk about that. Uh, because it does not see him, neither knows him, but you know him, for he already dwells with you and shall be in you. The word with you is mentioned twice. You can underline here for a second time, but also underline those two words in you. The Holy Spirit with you, I want you to notice how he presents. He said, he said for the Holy Spirit that dwells with you, that is present tense. With you and dwells with you is present tense, but he says future tense shall be in you. The uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit dwelling with us has been around since the Old Testament. In fact, Jehovah Shammah was a title for the Lord in the Old Testament called the Lord is present. He's always been present with believers. But that's about the limit of his ministry in the Old Testament. Beyond that, there were other ministries of the Holy Spirit, but it had to do with rank. Prophet, priest, and king operated strongly in the gifts of the Spirit and the, uh, the expanded ministries of the Holy Spirit, but it was limited. It only operated for a moment, then it was gone and another moment it was gone. And we're going to get into the permanent ministries of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And Jesus introduced that. Notice again, he said there are two ministries. One is a holdover from the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is with you. Every believer in the Old Testament had the presence of the Holy Spirit with them. But no one ever had the second one, which Jesus said, the Holy Spirit who is with you shall be in you future tense. This didn't occur until the day of Pentecost, and this is a reference to the new birth. No one in the Old Testament was actually born again. They didn't have a recreated spirit. Once Jesus came and became the firstborn among all that died, we become the second, third, fourth, and of course, Bob might be the billionth or whatever, 2,000 years after the cross. I don't know what my number is, but it all started with the firstborn, which is Jesus Christ. And since he was born of the Father into this earth as a uh, through the virgin birth, he was also, after he was raised from the dead, became the first begotten from the dead so that Bob could begot, become begotten from the dead. I was never born of a virgin. That's the uniqueness of Jesus. But just after that, what Jesus experienced, I can experience. What Jesus was anointed with, I can be anointed with. And the new birth that Jesus received in his resurrection body as he came out of the grave, I haven't received a resurrection body yet, but I have been born again into the family of God. The family of God did not exist in the Old Testament. Sons and daughters of God, but see, that's what the new birth is. It births me into God's family, and I become a child of God. God is my father. Jesus is my elder brother. The good news is the devil's no relation at all. I'm part of the family of God. In fact, I died in Satan's family and was reborn into God's family. I was born into this earth under Satan's dominion, and he is my father from the time I'm born in this earth, but I simply switched. By the time I accepted Jesus, I died in Adam, died to the power of Satan, and was reborn into the power of God. And so that's the beauty of the new birth. But now the Holy Spirit dwells in me. I'm sure the disciples when Jesus said he dwells with you, they went, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he says, but he shall be in you. They went, huh? What do you mean in me? 
He, he lived in the, in the tabernacle of the Old Testament in the time of the wilderness, in the time of David, but then later on he lived in the temple in the time of Solomon in the, in the temple today. If you want the presence of the Holy Spirit, you have to go into the Holy of Holies and that's where you'll find, he says, but the Holy Spirit in me, yes, you see today in the New Testament, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus Christ died and then was raised again, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom and uh, separating the holy place from the holy of holies. And when that thing was torn apart, it wasn't to let us in to look at it. It was to let the Holy Spirit out. And the Holy Spirit moved out and then 50 days later moved into those in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And now our bodies have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He'll never again move back into that temple. Even though there's gonna be a temple built during the time of the tribulation, the presence of the Holy Spirit won't be there. He'll still live inside of people who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So that's the beauty of what we have. I think the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, moved into the 120 that was in the upper room. He finally went, ah, I'm at home. The tabernacle was not my home. Although I lived there, it wasn't my home. I moved into the temple later on. That wasn't my home. I finally moved into a temple not made with hands. That's the beauty of it. So he moved inside of us. And now this is where he abides forever inside of us. Once we die, of course, he's still in other believers, but he's moved into the church, into the hearts of people. And again, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit again has always been and still is with believers today who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Again, the Old Testament title of which uh, the Lord had, Jehovah was his title then. Jesus is his title today, but his title Jehovah had many names added to it. There was Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals us. And here Jehovah Shammah is the Lord who is with us. He's called the Lord is present. In the New Testament, he said twice, I am with you always and I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that's the beauty of it. Once the Holy Spirit comes to be with us and is present with us, he's always present with us. But next of all, he said the Holy Spirit will be in you. Now that happened again at the new birth when the church age began, where again, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit with us, again, is a carryover of an Old Testament ministry, but the Holy Spirit in us is a brand new, new covenant ministry, something that never existed before. And that's the beauty of it. So when you receive Jesus as Savior, I mean, you become brand new on the inside. Your spirit becomes born again. Or as it says in chapter 12 of Hebrews in heaven, that you see the spirits of just men and women made perfect. The moment you become born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your spirit and your spirit is perfect. Now the soul has a long way to go. In fact, the rest of the Christian life is the renewing of the mind, the soul coming in line with the thoughts of the word of God and Bob losing the mind of Bob has the mind of Christ, but that's a process that lasts throughout this lifetime and will really last into eternity. But the part of me that's been made perfect is my spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit lives. And he can only live in a perfect part. He couldn't move into my soul because I still have problems there and the soul needs to be renewed. He doesn't live in my body because that will never be completely uh, given to the Lord until I have a resurrection body. And this body will have to die first, be decomposed so that it can release my spirit and my soul to go to heaven. 
So, but there's one more ministry that Jesus had to talk about. We'll read about that in Acts chapter one and verse eight. In fact, if you wanna find it, you can go ahead and go there now. And that is the Holy Spirit can also come upon us. Jesus didn't introduce this ministry until the day he left. And the day he left and went to heaven, he introduced this ministry of the Holy Spirit, which he didn't mention before. Again, we found in John 14, he said, the Holy Spirit who is with you, present tense, shall be future tense, in you. And he stopped right there because I'm sure that their mind was going nuts at that point. Wait a minute. And they were, they were actually massaging this in their mind, figuring this out, that the Holy Spirit would actually live inside of me and I would become the temple of the Holy Spirit. They probably had it pretty much figured out by the day that the day of Pentecost was going to come. And Jesus stood with them on the Mount of Olives, went into heaven, but he left them with this one more. He said, ah, one more, guys. He says in chapter one of Acts in verse eight, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. Why is this so important? Because the first thing they thought of, well, he has come on believers before in the Old Testament temporarily for just a moment, a prophet, a priest, or a king can have the Holy Spirit come upon them and they do incredible miracle things, such as Elijah, when the hand of the Lord, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, when the hand of the Lord came upon him, he outran Ahab's chariot. When the hand of the Lord came on prophets, they could call down fire from heaven. Uh, They could cause miracles in this earth. And the same thing with Samson. Samson wasn't strong 24 hours a day. It's when the hand of the Lord came upon him, but it was temporary. Today, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we can receive that after the new birth because that's what Jesus meant, whom the world can't receive. The world can receive the new birth. The Holy Spirit can be with them and in them, but the one that the world cannot receive until they're born again is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that is for believers only. Once you are born again, there's one more act of the Holy Spirit, and that's him coming upon you for power, power for witnessing and taking the gospel to the world. When we come back after the break, we'll take up right here where we left off. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by his Spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bob Yannion explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about the three major ministries of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Oh, there's other ministries, but they come from these. All right, the Holy Spirit with us can bring comfort and guidance and all that. The Holy Spirit in us brings us life, but the Holy Spirit coming upon us brings us power. And these three major ministries given to us, and we left with this one, talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Literally, this is going to be one indicator we have a revival for the Holy Spirit coming upon people is literally a doorway into revival. One thing that usually always precedes a revival is a number of people who are born again, have the Holy Spirit living in them, now receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking with tongues. We find this again when the outpouring of the Spirit occurred in the upper room and in the day of Pentecost after that, and 3,000 people received Jesus that day, Acts chapter uh, eight, the city of Samaria, Acts chapter 10, the house of Cornelius, and then Acts 19, of which we're going to be taking up verse by verse. We'll talk about the revival that came at Ephesus, and it occurred when 12 disciples, already born again, already had the Holy Spirit living in them, received the Holy Spirit, he came upon them, and they began to speak with tongues and prophesy, and a great revival began to come to that area. So we'll talk about that. It's key and essential to revival. And so in Acts chapter one and verse eight again, Jesus told him basically, don't you budge, go to the upper room. I think this is the time when in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Jesus was talking to over 500 at one time. I think it built up. You know, there was one or two that saw him at the resurrection. Then there was the 11 disciples in the upper room who were there when he came to appear in the upper room. And then later on, two on the road to Emmaus. And then other times others saw him. But by the time just before he left, he was here for 40 days. The crowds got bigger. And on the Mount of Olives, he stood there about to go into heaven. And he spoke to 500 at one time. These were all believers. And he said to them, go to the upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't even step into the ministry till this event happens. And of course, 120 showed up in the upper room. And of course, it's just normal. 500 people, he tells them, they're all going, uh-huh, uh-huh, and only 120 make it. So, but those 120 helped turn the world upside down. And they came out of the upper room speaking with other tongues and anointed with power, power from on high and power for signs and wonders and miracles. But listen, it all comes down to this. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You who? You who have the Holy Spirit with you and in you. Now he's going to come upon you. This is for believers only. And you'll be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. What the book of Acts does from that point on throughout the book of Acts, we find out is that the major reason why the Holy Spirit was given is not just so we can speak with tongues, have a great church service. No, it's giving to us power for witnessing. And the gifts of the Spirit were used throughout the book of Acts as it was in Jesus' ministry to help win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why I personally believe, and I have taught this before, even on the broadcast, if you want to go look it up, 
is the fact that witnessing is supernatural. The gifts of the Spirit were not primarily given to us to lay hands on each other, see each other get healed and delivered. No, they're used as we go into the world to lead people to Jesus Christ. It basically comes down to this. Don't think about it when you go to witness. Don't have to memorize anything or have four spiritual laws or all the other things we've tried to wrap around with, with uh, witnessing. It comes back to this. Just depend on the Holy Spirit. In fact, I believe that what the major gift that was used in Jesus' ministry of the uh, nine gifts of the Spirit to win people to the Lord was the word of knowledge. He told one of his disciples there, Nathaniel, he said, I saw you sitting under a tree. And, and Nathaniel went, you did? He said, you must be the Messiah. And that same word of knowledge operated with the woman at the well when he told her, you had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband. She said, you must be a prophet and then accepted him as her savior. So the gifts of the spirit are used to win people to the Lord because why? No two people are the same. And the gifts of the spirit can help you to look into their life and find something there that the Holy Spirit will tell you that's can be used to help win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. So by the time the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter two, the next chapter, look at verse three, divided tongues of fire set upon each of them. Each of who? Those that already had the Holy Spirit with them and in them. By the time that the Holy Spirit came from heaven and descended upon them, he came upon them and then they began to speak with tongues. Acts chapter two, verse 16 through 18. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is Peter preaching. It'll come to pass in the last day, says God, I will pour to my spirit upon all flesh, not just kings and prophets and others that were leaders in the Old Testament. No, he says upon all flesh, those that are born again, this is upon all born again flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. They don't have to be a prophet, a priest or a king. This is just sons and daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That which had been reserved for the aristocracy of the nation's foreign spiritual guidance over the nation is now going to be for everybody. Sons and daughters, young men will see vision. Old men shall dream dreams. There's no difference between men and women, young and old here in these verses of scripture. And then in verse 18, and on my servants, notice all part of my spirit upon all flesh in verse 18, and on my servants and on my handmaids. Here we have no social distinction. He's simply saying the servants in the house, the handmaidens in the house, as well as anybody else can receive the Holy Spirit. I'll pour out of my spirit and they shall prophesy. That's Joel chapter two, verse 28 and 29, of which again, Peter quoted on that day. Jesus prophesied ahead of before this. Again, before he stood with them on the Mount of, of Olives, he prophesied this to them in Luke 24 and verse 49. Here it says, behold, I send the promise of my spirit upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem till you're endued. The Greek word endued means to be clothed upon, putting clothes on you with power. You shall be endued with power. And the Greek word for power, dunamis, refers to healing power. This is quoted in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. This is miracle signs, wonders, and healing power from God. And it says it will come upon you, you'll be endued and clothed upon with power from on high. So it simply comes back to this again. The Holy Spirit comes upon us for power. 
Acts chapter two and verse three, again, the fire set upon each of them and upon. Here we have it again, over and over again. Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Acts chapter eight in the revival at at the city of Samaria, the Holy Spirit came on them and they prayed for them. In chapter 10, we have in the house of Cornelius, the Holy Spirit fell on them. I mean, I just can't, he fell on them. And in a dramatic way, Acts chapter 19, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And these were already born again because they were called disciples. He found 12 disciples, not new, uh, mem- not those exceeding, uh, seeking the Lord. No, these were already born again. And he laid his hands and the Holy Spirit came upon them. So let's talk about two major ministries of the Holy Spirit in us and upon each of us that receive. First of all, he is in us for life. He's on us for power. He's in us for salvation, but he's on us for service. He's in us to bless us. He's on us for us to bless others. He's in us for us to go to heaven, but he's on us for as long as we're on this earth here living the Christian life. He's in us for eternity. He's upon us for time. Once we go to heaven, we will not be anointed by the Holy Spirit upon us anymore because there'll be no need in heaven for witnessing, laying hands on the sick or anything else where there's any kind of torments, it'll all be gone in heaven. And finally, the last one, he's in us for the Holy Spirit's fruit, but he's on us for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How wonderful, how simple it is to understand this. But again, all this becomes key to revival because revival comes with a tremendous amount of power from the Holy Spirit. I like to think of it this way. Revival begins when Christians turn to or return to the Holy Spirit. Revival begins with Christians who have an open heart toward the things of God and begin to turn to the Holy Spirit and turn back again to the Holy Spirit. Many who have been filled with the Holy Spirit and have departed from it and now just go for new birth and just growing in the spiritual life and forget about being filled with the Holy Spirit for power. There's a hunger that returns and we're seeing it in our nation today. I think we're seeing it around the world because we've seen uh, outpourings of the Spirit in the past with healing revivals, the charismatic renewal. We've seen times, again, of the outpourings of the Spirit of God, great praise and worship services around the globe and great revivals around the globe. And I think we have a great hunger today that we're seeing in churches as people are crying out, Satan's power is being revealed everywhere. We want God's power because God's power is greater. God's power is permanent. Satan's power is a fake. Satan's power is really a sham. It's not the truth. It's not real. And when it comes, it's not the power of God. And his uh, anointings are lying signs and wonders where God's are true signs and wonders. Again, revivals of the past century, the Azusa revival began with a small Bible school in Topeka. Now there had to be a hunger. Here's the point of it. I think oftentimes we have a desire and there's a a desire to return back to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. But because there is such a craving for it in the world too. The world needs to see the power of God. We've seen the power of Satan. We need to see the power of God. And Azusa began with a small Bible school in Topeka and their 40 students, their, their, their teacher, uh, as he was teaching him said, I want you to look up and find out what is the Bible evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit? And he gave a week to do that. You say, why did they need a week? Because they didn't have computers. They didn't have tablets. They just had to go to books and look up every scripture. And so again, at the end of the week, the, the minister came back 
The teacher came back and said, what'd you come up with? They said, every one of the 40 students said, you speak with tongues. He said, that's right. He said, do you want this experience? They said, yes. They had meetings for a few nights in a row. And by the time it was over, all 40 were speaking with tongues. And a great revival broke out in that area. A pastor from Dallas came to see it and uh, came up to Topeka, Kansas to visit with them, sought, came back to his church, began to teach on it, and the church broke out in revival. An attending pastor later came and took the message to Los Angeles, and the Azusa revival began. It lasted for many years. Healing revivals broke out in the 1940s and 1950s, early 1950s, and during that time, again, great ministries of signs, wonders, and miracles, but especially healings during that time. In the 1960s and the 1970s, the charismatic movement movement came along and where people in denominations were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then after that, in the 70s into the 80s, the Word of God movement began to come along called the Word Movement. And people filled with the Holy Spirit now began to turn to the Word of God. And great churches were built during that time, large churches teaching the Word of God. Full gospel businessmen, praise and worship, intercession teachings came along and great things happened and great local church growth during the times of the 80s and 90s. But by the time the 90s got here, this began to wane. All of a sudden people get, began to get embarrassed of the Holy Spirit. And so a good series of Holy Spirit meetings doesn't mean revival, but revival cannot be planned. It requires certain elements. Revival is never the work of one person, but many people working together and God working in their lives. We will continue this tomorrow. I know it's been a great blessing. I can't wait to get back tomorrow and to teach on the next part. See you again next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.